Hello and welcome to another edition of Seven Days to Rock and Stone Guardians. We are doing another fanspiracy theory today. Woo! This one, what are we doing today, Kev? Well, we're gonna ruin everyone's childhood again. Yeah, one one show at a time. One show at a time, which is what this seems to be over and over again every week. So this week is gonna be SpongeBob. There's a couple of different theories that we're gonna go over. Uh, the most popular ones are the ones that we're going to go over because there's several more that I'm just not fully interested or invested in. Okay. And okay. Uh, first one's going to be the seven deadly sins theory. That's an interesting one. Okay. Uh, the like, next... like the movie seven. No. What? This is the SpongeBob SquarePants edition of seven deadly sins. Okay. Next <laughs> one's going to be nuclear testing theory. Uh, uh, that one I think is actually basically true. Didn't the creator say that it's mostly based off of that? Uh, we're going to get into that, so don't uh, don't spoil it, damn it. Uh, next one's going to be the drug theory, and that one's got some interesting offshoots, which we're going to get a little into. Oh, really... You can't have a theory without drugs. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're going to ruin everything, but <laughs> first of all, <laughs> we're going to do some... We'll go over 10 surprising movie facts you probably didn't know. Ooh. This comes from boardpanda.com. Have you ever been to okay. BoardPanda.com? I kind of like it. No. It's got some interesting shit. It, it sounds like it could be totally legitimate, but it could also be a complete scam. So I don't know. We're, I'm we're, ready we're to hear some out. stuff. Uh, I'll start with The Godfather here. Here's one about The Godfather. Okay. So the cat held by Marlon Brando in the opening scene was a stray that Coppola found while on the lot at Paramount. It was not originally Ooh. called for in the script, so content was the cat that it started purring it muffled some of uh, Brando's dialogue, and as a result, most of his lines had to be looped over. So it's, wasn't so it's, it also hard to hear some of his lines because of um, the cotton balls that he shoved in his mouth? Well, that also is probably uh, part of the whole thing. It seems like this cat was purring so loud it was probably right next to the microphone on him. Yeah, probably. And it was muffling all of his stuff um, because it was so close. So they ended up having to take his lines and then loop well, them in. They might not have had a mic on him. I think in that situation, they would use a boom mic. Not necessarily. We're not industry professionals. We're definitely not industry professionals. Not but even close. I would say it probably would be easier with him, especially if he were to move during scenes or something like that. Not that I, I have never seen The Godfather, actually, believe it or not. Really? I know. Okay. That's one of those ones that I feel bad. It's on the list of um, movies I have to see before I die. And you I'm do have to be in kind it. of a serious mood, and you kind of have to have some time, because it is a long movie. Yeah, yeah. Like, I watched Amadeus for some reason, and I barely okay. made it an hour yeah. into that movie, because it is it's just a good movie, but it's brutal. dry. Yeah. I think um, I didn't appreciate it because it was a child at the time, so I probably should yeah. rewatch it at some point. Well, The Godfather is very engaging. It's a very good movie. So, I mean, you just have to have the time. Yeah, I gotta. Who's got the time nowadays? Well, I mean, you've got a baby, so yeah, not for a while. No, not for a while. So, anyway, my guess is they probably had a microphone in his rose on his uh, jacket pocket. Probably be the easiest place to put it. And the cat was just too close. That's a good one. I, I like that one. This is a good one too. The Matrix. Um, Kung Fu choreographer Wu Ping Yun initially refused to work on the film, 
and he hoped by that and he hoped that by asking for an exorbitant fee it would turn off the Wachowskis. It did but not. They were like, no. <laughs> it did not. Where's all the money? Uh, he next formulated what he considered an impossible request. He said that he'd agree only if he had complete control of the fights and that he trained the actors for four months before the shoot. Uh, the Wachowskis obviously complied with that request. They're like, hell yeah. <laughs> not very, I mean, not very impossible, and especially for all of them. Probably didn't have much of much else to do, although they probably got paid. They got paid. I like that one. Let's do another one. Django, <laughs> that is nice. Django <laughs> Unchained. Uh, when Kelvin... I've actually heard this one before. When Kelvin Candy, uh, a.k.a. Leonardo DiCaprio, smashes his hand on the dinner table, uh, DiCaprio accidentally crushed a small-stemmed glass with his palm, and it actually began to bleed. Uh, he, uh, he, oh. he ignored this, stayed in character, and continued with the scene. Uh, Tarantino was so impressed that he ended up using that take in the final print. When he called cut, the room erupted in a standing ovation. I've heard this one uh, before, actually. Uh, apparently, uh, I've seen it. I've rewatched it, and having known this information, this is mm-hmm. the one where he's describing the uh, Negro skull when he smashes it open and shows the f- the lines in quotation marks because it's all bullshit that he's talking about. Yeah. Some racist shit that they just came that they came up with back then to make it seem as though they Yeah, I mean the the Arab bullshit, you could say whatever you want as long as you have like uh authoritative voice that sounded halfway plausible. Yeah. Sadly has not changed. Some racist scientist bullshit um that they made up mm-hmm. because they didn't fully understand the human brain at all. So uh, that's the scene we're talking about. So he, he, this is when he's basically telling them he, he knows what the plot is that they're trying to steal Django's wife. And it's that look of disgust from her when he rubs the blood all over her face is real disgust because it's actual blood all over her face. Oh God. How the hell did this guy not win an Oscar until he got raped by a bear in the Revenant is beyond me. He's like the best actor of our time of a generation just I, after I, me. I guess of our generation, yeah. Of a, he's the best, uh, he's the best actor of that generation. I don't know that he's my generation specifically. Right. But he's the best actor of that generation. I think he's my generation. Yeah. What? He's yeah. 40-something years old? I think so, yeah. He's, I mean, I don't, I don't know if... I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. He's the best actor of that generation of actors, because honestly, he goes so hard into his in into his movies that it's just impossible to distinguish him from the character. Which is probably a good thing because some of the characters he's played are complete assholes, and if people saw him as those characters, it would be very difficult. He's actually yeah. able to pull himself out of the character, like uh, Calvin Candy specifically. What was the name of the, his character in Inception? I can't I remember. have no clue. I don't remember. Leonardo DiCaprio. Leonardo DiCaprio playing Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, him in The Revenant. He was amazing. And he should have won for the in, for Inception, honestly. Should have won for Django Unchained. Oh, yeah. Definitely uh, for Django Unchained. Should have won for What's Eating Gilbert Grape, probably. Yeah. Um, yeah, Titanic, say, yeah. I'm really surprised that he didn't win. 
I, I always assumed that he had one because, you know, didn't the Titanic take home like 18 different Oscars <laughs> that so year? So many different Oscars, yeah. And he didn't get Best Actor. No. All right, I'm going to look this up because I need to know. Best yeah. Actor, was it 1997? It was late 90s. Yeah, Best Actor, 1997. Jeffrey Rush for Shine. Uh, Nobody fucking remembers that movie. I don't know what yeah, Shine no, is. I remember that. Yeah, Titanic came out in 1997. So wouldn't it have been Best Actor? Best Actor, 1998. Jack Nicholson in As Good As It Gets. What? I don't know, man. Uh, Dude dude got the short end of the stick for way too long. Here's here's one that I I think you'll find a good segue into what we're going into. The Titanic. So after finding out she had to be naked in front of Leonardo DiCaprio, Kate Winslet decided to break the ice, and when they first met, she flashed him. I suppose if that makes you more comfortable, you know. <laughs> right? I'm, pr- I'm pretty certain that Jennifer Lawrence's response to having to do, oh no, it was Margot Robbie's response to having to do a nude scene in The Wolf of Wall Street, where she yeah. got, she took like three or four shots before she ended up having to go, and they all hit her at once while she was doing the scene. <laughs> I, uh, I mean, yeah, I guess, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, well, I think th- things have changed since then. The, uh, from what I understand, a lot of uh, shows that have nudity will have like um, a coordinator for it. There's also so, body like, doubles too. Body doubles. Well, they like sit down and they talk about it and they do all sorts of like other things so that it's less traumatic for the actors involved because it is like very intimate. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I, I imagine that there is a whole sequence of events where they have to keep things above board. Right, because, like, they're not banging for real. No. They might have literally no interest in each other or even, like, attraction to people. The Like the notebook. That sex, but, Rachel McAdams know. and Ryan Gosling do not care for each other or did not care for each other the whole time. But they had such great on-screen chemistry together. Uh, you know, I'm going to take your word for it. I've heard that one before. Not really sure if it's true. Let's go into All one right. more. One more. Yeah, yeah. One more. Let's Schindler's List. One more. That's a good one. Okay. Uh, to gather 20, th- or sorry, to gather costumes for 20,000 extras, because apparently they had 20,000 extras. Uh, the costume designer took out advertisements seeking clothes. Uh, as economic conditions were poor in Poland, many people were eager to still or to sell clothing they still owned from the 1930s and 1940s. I mean, dang. That's a pretty good way of getting it. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure they sold them for pennies on the dollar, but that's buck that's a good a buck one. when you need a buck. Yeah, that's a good that's a, that's a buck when you need a buck. Uh, but getting back to that whole nudity thing, I think there's a whole sequence of events that needs to happen when two people are going to do anything intimate on screen. Like kissing, you know, making out, getting down and busy, being nude, all that jazz. I think being nude is a lot easier nowadays. You can just have a body double and they well, can they have superimpose of, um, like, your face on there. Exactly. Body double, superimposed face, or like they can actually rig up better things so you're not actually nude, but you look like you're nude. You could wear a green screen body morph suit for all they care. They can right. put it in there and make it look relatively good. But I, I think the reason I wanted to segue is because I was listening to the Pod Meets World podcast. Uh, shout out to them because they're really good. They're better than, I mean, they already have notoriety because of the fact that it's 
it's Ryder Strong, Daniel Feschel, and Wilfred L. doing it. Obviously, more people want to listen to them than they want to listen to us, but if uh, you've got time, <laughs> go ahead and listen to them. But Wilfred L. was listening des- to this one first. Yeah, Phil Wilfred L. was describing his first on-screen kiss in Boy Meets World. It was with, what the hell is that girl's name? From the Americans. Uh, girl from the Americans. That's her name. You're such a dick. I knew, you, Carrie you know Russell. It's Carrie Russell. About names of actors is like... I'm better than you at it. I don't know why yeah. I bother asking you. Carrie Russell. So Carrie oh, Russell. Carrie Russell was um, played Mr. Feeney's niece. And uh, when she, apparently when she came on, she actually approached Wilfred L. about the kiss, finding out that they were going to have to from reading the script. She was like, you do it this way. I'm comfortable with this way. Now, I'm butchering the story because it was a couple of days ago that I listened to this. It always stuck with him because she actually approached him and told him what she would like, which he found to be the best choice. And it's now what he ends up doing whenever he had to do it beyond then. He would walk up to the girl and be be like, okay, how would you like me to proceed? I don't want to be, I don't want to be, you know, that guy. So I thought it was an interesting thing. Now I think about it, it probably happens a lot more often than just local sitcom t- television. Probably happens in movies and shit like that too. But that's not what we're getting into. We're about to ruin your childhood in a completely different way here. I'm going to start with Spongebob motherfucking Squarepants. Spongebob! Uh, let's start with the seven deadly sins theory. This theory. Yeah, I want to hear more about that. Yeah, the seven deadly sins theory comes from uh, where I'm reading it is the fan theories wiki uh, about Spongebob Squarepants. <laughs> Tom Kenny actually, uh, in, a, in a HuffPost interview, said something about this whole theory, and he completely debunked it. Um, he's... Tom, for those who don't know Tom Kenny, he's the SpongeBob voice actor, the guy who actually does the voice for SpongeBob. Did you know that, Ryan? I did know that. You know his name? Mm-hmm. You were just complaining how you don't know actors' names, and you happen to know who SpongeBob's I, voice. I very much don't know actors' names, but I do know his name. <laughs> anyway, so he debunked this one entirely, so some fans believe that SpongeBob's friends represent the seven deadly sins. There's still some debate, but the uh, best fit for each sin are as follows, according to the Fan Theories Wiki. Let's start with Sandy Cheeks. Which one do you think Sandy Cheeks falls under there, Ryan? Um, I'm going to say Pride. Oh, damn. That's pretty good. So yes, Pride. Sandy falls underneath the Pride uh, sin. Pride being a deep satisfaction derived from one's own achievements. Sandy is deeply proud of her home country her athletic abilities, and her career as a scientist. Uh, I think if we, when we first met her, basically she was like, uh, I don't know why they say home country here. She just said she was from Texas. Now, as much as people from Texas will want you to believe they're a different country, they're still in the U.S. They want to yeah, be not, their own not country. Not quite yet. Not they want to be yet. their own country, but it's never well, going to happen. Hope they work on their infrastructure before they do that. Yeah, their infrastructure would fail almost impossibly fast. I should say it will fail. (laughs) It's 100% guaranteed it's going to fail. Because instead of having actual people do it, they put out a bid on their infrastructure for a 
private company to do it for them. And well, just this past win. winter, they discovered how terrible it is because it cannot hold up to cold weather. And now, do you know what they did to fix that? Nothing. Nothing. They did absolutely nothing to fix it. All they did was charge everyone 3000 bucks for an energy bill for one month, even though it completely failed on them. They were like, oh, I'm sorry. Catastrophic it's... failure. Catastrophic failure, yes. And it didn't take a whole lot for it to catastrophically fail. All it took no. was some zero-degree days. Yeah. They it was didn't not even consider... even that many days. Yeah. They never considered that Texas would ever have a zero-degree day. And I don't even think it was because of the zero-degree day. I think it was the length of time it was freezing. If it had been yeah, I think it was 25 like degrees for several weeks, it would have failed anyway. But because it was like 10 degrees, 8 degrees, it was even down to zero at one point with the wind chill, it failed almost instantaneously. It goes to show you that the free market is kind of bullshit. Because when you pay for cheap, you get cheap. But whatever. That's completely irrelevant to what we're talking about here today. Yeah, back to the seven deadly sins. So, Stop putting peanut butter in my chocolate. I mean, Sandy's super proud of where she's from. Podcast. She's super proud of her athletic abilities, and she's super proud of her career as a scientist. Um, and I remember a few episodes, but yeah, that was exactly the case. I mean, the first couple of episodes with her, she never stopped mentioning the fact that she was from Texas. Right. So yeah, I could, I could see pride like, being her. She's always talking about her skill in karate. Always talking about karate, yeah. She's definitely proud when she beats on, on SpongeBob. I mm-hmm. remember the episode where he uh, kept popping up out of nowhere. And yes. she kept, like, kicking his butt. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, that, that one fall, falls right in the range. <laughs> Here's the next one, Ryan. Okay. Greed. Now, uh, I know well, this is a difficult one, but I'm going to mm-hmm. have to pose it to you. Who of SpongeBob's relatives, acquaintances, or friends would represent greed? Is it the blue fish with gold pants? Just kidding, it's Mr. Krabs. The blue fish with gold pants. Yeah. Just the extra, the extra fish in the back. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's Mr. Krabs. Mr. Krabs. Mr. Krabs. And for those who don't know, Mr. Krabs. The man who does the voice for Mr. Krabs played the... What the hell was the name of the the character from Highlander? Why am I asking you? You're fucking useless. <laughs> also, I didn't see the TV show. I've only seen the movies. I'm talking about the Highlander movie. Are you talking about Christopher Lee or... Who? No. What's his face? Uh, no, I'm talking, about, I'm talking about the villain from the original Highlander movie. Oh, I... I... I can't remember their name. Oh, this guy. This fucking guy. That was a horrible choice. That was a horrible horrible choice to just talk to him and be like, hey, man, don't you know who the Highlander is? You're talking about John Connery. No. Nice try. Christopher Lambert. There you go. The Kurgan. Oh. uh, I don't know that actor's name. It's Clancy Brown. I know who you're talking about. Yes. So it's Clancy Brown, number one. So Clancy Brown, the Kurgan from Highlander, plays the voice of Mr. Krabs. And I highly recommend finding the recent YouTube video that they did where they played themselves in a SpongeBob way. 
I don't really know how to describe that. I don't they, understand that. They basically didn't do the cartoon. They were themselves. So this is live action SpongeBob, but they didn't do, they weren't in costume or anything. They were just basically oh. themselves. Okay. It was pretty Weird. cool actually. And, and you get to see who plays who. And the guy who plays Squidward threw me for a loop uh, pretty hard. But yeah, it, it, it's real hard to hear his voice when Mr. Krabs does it, but when you're looking at him doing the voice, you can totally hear it now. Anyway, <laughs> so Mr. Krabs greeds the selfish desire for something, especially wealth and power. Krabs fits this sin perfectly. He's obsessed with collecting money just so he can have riches for himself. And he's a cheap shit who doesn't pay for anything. Like, if I had to take a guess and say what SpongeBob's been making, even though he's been working there for 20-plus years... Minimum wage. He's probably making like eight bucks an hour tops, making two, tops. two or three cents the extra legal every month. Every minimum year. wage. Yeah, in Bikini Bottom. <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, that's greed for you. Let's go into lust. Now this one may be very oh. difficult. Uh, uh, who do you think uh, lust would be? It's Pearl. Are you reading this? Do you have this no. open somewhere? I don't. Yes, Lust is apparently Pearl. Uh, Pearl being Mr. Krabs' daughter. Uh, Lust is the intense sexual desire. Pearl is depicted as being boy crazy and obsessed with male fish stars. Yes, I mean, she's painted as the, like, standard teen girl. Yeah, this one's... Boys. I don't know if I would say Lust, but, like... I, I get where they're know. going with it, but yeah. I don't think... I guess that character... Would fit it the best. <laughs> There's, if especially if they're trying to make this a thing, it's yeah. they have to find some character, and she's probably the only character that's close enough. Of the ones that I can think of, definitely not. Um, what What about Karen though? What about Karen? Karen's not lust because Karen's lusting after plankton all the time. I, they're married. Yeah, it's not really lust. <laughs> Uh, the only other character I can think of is Larry, and it's not really Lust in that case. Like, what would his what would his be? Pride, um, probably. He'd be close yeah, to pride, pride, but not more yeah. proud than Sandy. So yeah, yeah, it's not really Lust in that case. It's hard to hard to define there because I don't. Well, it's because it's a television show for kids. Yeah, I mean, it's a yeah, it's a kids. They're not going to have so. very many characters who are prototypically lusting for something. It's you get what you get. Mr. Krabs, because he lusts for money. There you go, I fixed it. <sighs> That's greed. Anyway. <laughs> now, on to the next one. Envy. I'm thinking I'm thinking everybody's guessing this one right. Yeah. Who is, is it? Is it Squidward? Is it really? Take a better guess here. Hmm. Is it Patrick? No. I'll hit, I'll hit you. <laughs> I don't know. I was thinking Plankton would be Wrath. No, Plankton is envy because he's always insanely envious of the fact that Mr. Krabs is a success. And he's always trying to steal the secret Krabby Patty formula so that he can get that success. Envy is an insatiable desire. Plankton is deeply envious of the success as Mr. Rival, or that his rival Mr. Krabs is achieved, so he's always lusting to get it. Yeah, but don't you think it could also be Wrath? Because he's always using some sort of like dangerous contraption 
to like take it by force. I mean, at the beginning of his episodes, I would have said, yeah, he's definitely more wrathful than envious. But his sole motivation is completely envious. So that's pretty much what you got there. Yeah. Suck it. On to the, <laughs> on to the next one. Gluttony. Who do you think gluttony. gluttony is? It's either Patrick or some third party that's always at... I'm going to tell you right now, you've still got gluttony, wrath, and sloth. So mm. that might help you. Mm. I, I mean, I can't picture a single character eating more than others because i feel like there's a lot of eating in that show that's true i would have gone with the anchovies but from the very first episode okay but gluttony yeah, yeah. in this case is mrs puff uh, gluttony being the overindulgences of food mrs puff is shown to adore food from chocolate cake to pasta and she is considered fat you see i i don't recall how many episodes of her actually eating i remember a few episodes where she'd show up to get crabby patties but i would never yeah. consider her fat but right they want to make this theory work they've got to come up with somebody and well Patrick i mean like fits her archetype fits the fish right so yeah. like puffer yeah. fish are generally rounder even before they puff out yeah I would have gone with somebody else, but whatever. I think the anchovies was a good call out. The anchovies would have been a good one, but unfortunately I think it has to be a specific character. Like a single character. Yeah. We could have gone with the pickles guy. Do you remember that episode think, with the I, pickles? Yes. Um, I, I think you could say Patrick too, because Patrick does eat and he eats a lot. Yeah, but then he wouldn't be left over for another uh, sin. So let's move on to the next one here, because this one we're never going to end up winning. I just don't think she fits in anywhere specifically. Um, Wrath, which who do you think is Wrath? Don't, All right. don't say Patrick or I'll hit you. Who's going to say Patrick? Now i got to hit him. <laughs> uh, honestly, I would have said Plankton. I would have said Plankton for this if we well, hadn't already gone I over I mean, him. think of who we have left, character-wise. I mean, let's see. You said her, so I'm going to say Karen, maybe? Are you forgetting one of like the main characters? Um, Probably. <laughs> he plays a clarinet. Uh, I, I, I think he gets angry a lot, but I would say he's more slothful. Cause he, a lot of his interactions are around not wanting to do anything fair and fair point there um wrath being the uncontrolled feeling of anger or hatred uh squidward hates his life hates his job hates his neighbors and practically everything else about bikini bottom so he may not be angry all the time but he certainly hates everyone i would say his his reactions are wrathful but he isn't a wrathful like individual so he, there's not a lot of stories where he's like antagonistic to start with uh i mean he is played off some. as the antag antagonist in some episodes so yeah some of them but he once again not, not overall not overall working with the theory here i mean they probably were like oh my god plankton works for envy perfectly 
Mr. Krabs works for greed perfectly. Sandy works for pride perfectly. Then they move on to the other ones, and it's like, oh, shit, maybe we aren't thinking this one through. <laughs> well, once you hit lust, it's like, eh. Yeah, so we got one more uh, sloth. Obviously, Patrick being the only one left, he definitely embodies sloth pretty well. Uh, sloth being excessive laziness. Patrick is ridiculously lazy. He's unemployed, lives under a rock, sleeps a lot, eats a lot, chills out, and does nothing. So yeah, he just sort of exists. But that's a starfish for you. Right, right. But I'd say, I don't know, personally to me it seems like it's less intentional in that and just a part of like his being. Whereas like Squidward seems to actively avoid things and... Uh, try to have as little interaction as he can. There, are, There's a lot of debate over what's going on. According to this fan theory wiki, uh, it's been suggested Patrick or Gary could also fit gluttony. Patrick loves eating food, and Gary's food bowl is commonly seen in the episode Have You Seen This Snail? features him running away from uh, Spongebob after having not been fed. But unfortunately, yes, he's, I not, remember that episode. he's not fat like Mrs. Puff or Patrick. So, Also, his appetite's pretty ner- normal for a snail, I guess. Um, some fans think SpongeBob should fit Lust since he's so loving, but it's been confirmed by Nickelodeon. He is to represent positivity and optimism, making it unlikely that he represents one of the seven sins. Uh, additionally, his love for the world is not sexual, it's genuine. He could, in fact, have a lust for life. Yeah, but that wouldn't really count as lust love. That would be a genuine, altruistic kind of love. But that's an interesting theory. I don't think it holds water after having read it completely out loud and talked with it about you. How about how about yourself? Where you, where you fall in the spectrum of whether or not some of this works or all of this works? I think it's a very interesting theory. But I think it exactly like what you said. I think they had a couple that really fit um, right away. And then when they went into the other ones, it was like a lot more tenuous. So I would have to say like it's about half, half and half. Yeah, so it doesn't hold complete water on this one. It's sort of half-assed. So I, I if Tom Kenny hadn't come out and said that uh, this is definitely not the thing, I would say this is not a thing. Doesn't work. Doesn't hold water, as Joe Pesci's character from My Cousin Vinny would say. Doesn't hold water. Does it hold water? But it does Doesn't. hold some water because it's about fish. Fuck. SpongeBob holds water because he's a sponge. True. So it kind of holds water. Yeah. But it's, sentient sponge. It's not a hundred percent. Yes. <laughs> so on to the next theory. Uh, the nuclear testing theory. I think you said you had heard something about this one before. Yeah, so um, I had heard, I think it was game theory talked about uh, this, or movie theory, whatever, the, you know, Matt Pat on uh, YouTube, uh, about oh. how uh, the reasoning behind uh, whether the animals could talk was because of Bikini Atoll, which is, uh, as you may know, 
one of the initial testing grounds for atomic weaponry. So they tested uh, atomic bombs on this uh, small atoll, which is like an island um, called Bikini, Bikini Atoll. Bikini um, Atoll in the Marshall Islands, owned yes. by the United States between 1946 and 1958. Detonated over 23 nuclear weapons. Interesting. Yeah, and then they just let people go back there. But that's a different story. So the the theory is that the radiation from the bombs seeped down into the ocean and then all these creatures began being able to talk and, and live and etc. But I know there are episodes that go way back in time to like caveman days. Uh, with sentient bikini bottom residents, so I would have to say it doesn't seem very likely. But let's hear let's hear the whole thing there, Kev. No, that was pretty much it for you. I mean, nuclear testing at Bikini Atoll happened over the course of uh, twelve years. Tests occurred at seven test sites on the reef itself, on the sea, in the air, and underwater. Uh, one of the more prominent ones was the Baker Cloud. Uh, detonated 27 meters below the uh, water. Uh, for our American friends, 27 meters to feet is about 89 feet. So it's uh, relatively... Oh, that's substantial. That's a substan- substantial amount of uh, uh, depth underneath the water. So what this theory is stating is that the Bikini Atoll where Bikini Bottom resides underneath because we absolutely know that there is a reef-like isle above them that they have gone up to several times. Although not really an atoll, as I believe an atoll has to be like... um, I don't even know how to describe it. How would you describe an atoll? It seems like an atoll is a uh, large, round island that has a very large bay jutting into it. Ah, okay, so here's the actual definition. An atoll is a ring-shaped island, including a coral rim that encircles a lagoon partially or completely. So a ring-shaped reef, island, or chain of islands that f- uh, formed of coral. Interesting. Cool. Yes, yes. So this one states that the nuclear testing that occurred between those 12 years ended up causing the marine life to mutate into sentient beings and they are just sort of living their best life being bizarre i mean that's really the, that's the whole theory that's why i didn't want to make it the the main piece of our whole <laughs> uh episode yeah I, I think that the the creator steven hillenberg said something about it too, saying that it had at least some impact on him creating the show. As a possibility. They don't state that anywhere in this article, which is very interesting. On to the drug theory. Drugs. So the drug theory is is real interesting and it it, it, it came about because of um, a popular parody on YouTube called Spongebong Hemp Pants. <laughs> I uh, haven't seen that, but I'm going to have to Google that after. Spongebong Hemp Pants is a stoner comedy that was based upon Spongebob Squarepants. The characters are given names that are uh, the same of typical drugs and have been given different personalities. 
Uh, this series was popularized YouTube, Metacafe, and its prime creator, Dailymotion, uh, who has been known to create other types of parodies of SpongeBob SquarePants. Uh, so far, only three episodes have been made, and fans have obviously hoped for more. Uh, some of the characters that they have reapplied uh, Hashbrick Star. That's, <laughs> one, that's one of my favorites. It's uh, classy. He looks like a bag of hash. Uh, he's the best friend of SpongeBong. Like Patrick, Hashbrick seems a little dumb, but it's most likely because he's wry, or high rather than intelligent. Uh, the next one would be Spliffward. Spliffward <laughs> uh, 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 sp- Testicles is the cranky neighbor of SpongeBong. <laughs> who, who makes a living off of selling drugs. SpongeBong and Hashbrick are always buying drugs from him but mostly don't know the kind of money, or don't have the kind of money for it. A spliff word is a piece of paper you smoke weed, cocaine, or tobacco out of. Just like Squidward, spiff word seems to be annoyed by Spongebong and Hashbrick, but will still sell them what they need if they've got the money to get them. <laughs> He's bas- he basically looks like a spliff with a clip on, a- on him as his nose. And his... Like his arm holes from his shirt are brown, just like the same brown from Squidward's famous brown shirt. Uh, That's pretty funny, actually. Uh, Then there's Mr. Crack. Mr. Crack. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Crack is the owner of the Krusty Crack house. Hashbrick stole Mr. Crack's car stereo, gave it to Spliffward in exchange for a bag of seaweed. But shortly after getting the stereo, Mr. Crack takes it back from him. Uh, (laughs) He basically looks like Mr. Krabs, but in the form of a crack rock with crack rock claws. I love that. Everything about that. I guess there's a character called Crystal Meth, too. Is that supposed to be Sandy Cheeks? I don't don't know. Uh, It doesn't have a, a thing. Yeah, it's Sandy Cheeks. That's what it's supposed to be. Okay. Wow. Wow. Just straight up crystal meth. Straight up crystal meth. <sighs> it's basically like, you remember SpongeBob in the episode, the Suds episode? Uh, maybe. Where he was greenish or bluish, bluish green? I, I do remember the art thou feeling it, Mr. Krabs. Art thou feeling it now, Mr. Krabs. Anyway. That's kind of what he looks like, just like a, a green... I don't even know what to say. It's fucked up, man. So that's uh, that's what the parody was, and it became a big thing, a big enough thing to create this drug theory. So this theory states that five of the characters are each addicted to a different drug. There are several versions of this theory, like I said, but they were all popularized after the whole SpongeBong hemp pants was created. SpongeBob. SpongeBob was uh, apparently shrooms. So SpongeBob has a wild imagination similar to the mindset of someone tripping on shrooms. He goes from extreme happiness to complete despair. He's also usually very happy as shrooms create a euphoric feeling. Uh, Mr. Krabs and Mrs. Puff. Medical cocaine. Medical cocaine? Uh, yeah. Yeah, medical cocaine. Is apparently a thing? I don't know. That's weird. Uh, cocaine users can be irritable, paranoid. Mr. Krabs is an irritable, 
when it comes to his riches and also paranoid about his formula being stolen. Mrs. Puff is irritable when she has to deal with Spongebob's and also has uh, PTSD-like bursts of paranoia about crashing a boat. Both of them being very intense. Squidward... Well, I feel like the fear is very justified. That's a very justifiable uh, PTSD mm-hmm. because she has probably crashed a bunch of boats. Squidward well, certainly has. is apparently medical heroin. According to uh, the Timberline Knowles site, uh, heroin abusers have many behavioral tendencies matching Squidward's traits. These include lying and other deceptive behaviors, bad performance in jobs, avoiding eye contact, and he's constantly moody and upset. Yeah, I could see that. Why do they keep calling medical is beyond me? Right. That, that one, I think they could have just said opioids. Yeah. Um, Patrick, medical marijuana. He's laid back, relaxed, and has a relatively positive outlook on life. He eats a lot, and medical marijuana users usually experience a phenomenon known as the munchies after smoking it. That one, I definitely, that one's 100% on. Yeah. This one also states that Sandy is against the others. As most viewers know, Sandy can get very annoyed when SpongeBob and Patrick visit her because they're hyped up on drugs, and she's a straight shooter. Yeah, I get that. But there's Mm -hmm. also the points where she's like, there. Always there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's all the good ones that I've got for you. We could go into one more. Seems like we've got some extra time. Yeah, if we got one more, let's talk about it. I got one more that we could read. Uh, Donut of Shame slash The Secret Box Connection. Okay. Uh, Blow. Here we go. Uh, You remember The Secret Box? The secret box that Patrick had that just had a piece of string, or supposedly only had a piece of string in it. Right. Where it was that crazy uh, picture of SpongeBob at the Christmas party. Mm -hmm. Anyway. So, Patrick's birthday is near Christmas. Uh, SpongeBob set up a tea party for Patrick. When Patrick was at his birthday party, SpongeBob invited tons of friends until SpongeBob brought out a bottle of grog. Patrick and all the other guests chanted as Spongebob to drink the entire bottle. Spongebob started feeling dizzy, danced on the table, and and, uh, Prank called everyone else he knew. Patrick, unaware that his best friend was drunk, decided to take a photo of this moment. Spongebob felt so dizzy that he said a donut this nice could really make a guy happy before passing out. Patrick ordered another bottle of grog, drank the entire bottle, just like his best friend passed out on SpongeBob's kitchen ceiling. Later on, Patrick <laughs> put the photo of SpongeBob in a in a box he calls the secret box. Interesting. Okay. Now both of these actually did happen, I believe. I don't remember the donut of shame, but I do recall the secret box. So clearly we have discovered what the Christmas party episode picture was. And the fact that it sits in a secret box with just a string that has a secret um, entryway into it. Secret, secret, I have a secret. It kind of feels like SpongeBob ended up uh, having sexual relations while drunk with a donut. Oh. Someone should really correct us on this because that would just ruin my childhood a little bit. This could really make a guy happy with the 
was the tipping point for me. <laughs> uh, it's very suspicious. <laughs> yeah, very suspicious. My gosh. All right, everybody. That's all we got. Thank you for joining us on our uh, SpongeBob-esque theory station. We will uh, see you again. Check us out on our new uh, seven-day replay for The Expanse. Uh, check us for Comic Book Fridays whenever we've got them. And uh, you know, keep watching, keep listening. We'll keep going. We don't know how many people are actually listening, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, I'm having fun. Yeah. You having fun, Kev? We're having fun. Doing That's it. all that matters. Got nothing better to do. We'll bring you more content. We'll talk to you later, guys. Wish you seven later. days to rock and stone. Rock and stone, guardians. Guardians.